All right, Matthew chapter 1, Christmas message part 2. Last week was part 1. I'm surprised y'all showed up because I told you we are going to talk about the genealogy of Jesus, at least part of it, some of his family. And it's found in Luke chapter 3 uh, where Luke takes the genealogy and, and lists all these names connecting Jesus to Adam. Matthew connects Jesus as we will read to uh, David and Abraham. So, Matthew, if you have your Bibles, open them or flip them on your phone. They'll be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zara by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram. Aram was the father of Amminadabed, Amminadabed the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abadai, and Abadai the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerome. Jerome, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah. His brothers at the time of the deportation of Babylon. After the, the deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abide. Abide was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zodak. Zodak, the father of Achim. And Achim, the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Methan. Methan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. That's Matthew chapter 1. You're welcome. I'm impressed. I was uh, reading that quite a few times to not butcher 
the names, and I thought I was going to get a bit of applause that I did not attach my Ukrainian. I heard it said that there are three types of messages that are super hard to preach. Um, those messages or those passages that are, are, are unfamiliar, right? The book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Amos. They're unfamiliar. And so it's hard to preach for them because you have to bring everyone up to speed with the proper cultural context and the overall story. Another passage is hard to preach is the all too familiar passages like Noah and, okay, Noah and Moses. Noah, this is maybe not familiar with y'all. Uh, there's this thing called the ark that Noah built. <laughs> uh, let me try another one. Moses and the Red Sea, Samson and... Jesus' birth. The familiar ones are hard to preach because we have a tendency to dismiss them and put them in a category of I know that. And sometimes we can miss the deeper meaning and revelation of those familiar passages. And the third one they tell, I heard that it said that it's really hard to preach on and not, not to talk about is those passages that have lists. Lists of names, of gene genealogies, of places. And so um, I done did that this morning. <laughs> and uh, the Christmas story is actually a story that includes all three. It's unfamiliar in a way. It's very familiar in another way. And it has lists. And so the Christmas story touches all of these. And so all of scripture is God-breathed. And so we should not skip passages or dismiss passages because we don't know as we read through them, what we are missing. Because the Bible is God's story of redemption. Him redeeming a jacked up people by stepping into the story and to lead us so that we can be with him forever. And so all of scriptures God breathed, so it's all worth reading. I, one time I um, remember hearing uh, a Jewish person give his testimony. And they asked him, so what really got you from, um, from Judaism to Christianity. And he said, actually, Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. And I think we tend to overlook some of these things because they're, they are not maybe important to us. But, because, but if they're in the Bible, they are important. It just may not be your time to really dive in and see what it's really about. But I love Matthew 1.1 because it really, it, there's, there's a deep meaning with this genealogy. And it, there's so many connections in this genealogy. And I just want to do a few of them this morning. So Matthew 1.1 says this. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew saying that this is not just some Jesus, some, you know, names are even Joseph, just a random guy. No, this is specifically Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that the Jewish readers would read and be like, this is the one that was prophesied. Matthew's connecting Jesus, the Messiah, to all the prophecies, saying that in Jesus, all these prophecies were fulfilled. And then he's, he gives a little indicator in this, in this verse, the son of David. And the son of Abraham, son of David and son of Abraham. And 
What's significant about Jesus being the son of David is that this makes Jesus a king. Because David was the first king of Israel. And in order for you to be a king, you have to be in the lineage of royalty. And so this establishes Jesus as king by Matthew saying he's the son of David. And then he says he's also the son of Abraham. And if you're going to be the king of the Jews, you have to be a Jew. And this connects Jesus to his Jewishness because we know that Abraham was actually the first Jew. Abraham is who God called out and who God started a nation with. And so I talked last week how, how Satan had tried to hijack and, and destroy all these prophecies. But God has a way of making sure that the thing that he spoke comes to pass. And it's not difficult for him. He's not straining. Oh, you don't do the will of God. God's going to find somebody else who will. He's not missing out. You are. Merry Christmas. Um, and what's interesting with this whole thing of Jesus being from Nazareth and he's being the king of the Jews, we read in John 19 because his birth is also connected to his death. John 19 verse 19 through 22 says this, Pilate, so after Jesus was arrested and, and beaten and, and Pilate is trying to release him and they're like, no, no, you know, let's not re release him, but crucify him. And Pilate wrote this inscription and put it on the cross and it was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And what's interesting is in verse 20, it says, Therefore many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Basically, it was available for every person to know what it says. God using Pilate? Yes, sir. So the chief priests, verse 21, the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Do you see how powerful this is? How powerful Jesus, the Messiah, king of the Jews. And as we find out, he's the king of all. <laughs> Jesus is not only from the line of Abraham and King David, but he is also greater than Abraham. And he is greater than David. Abraham and David were shadows. As we will find out how messed up David and Abraham really was. But Jesus was greater than both of them because he was born of a virgin. He was not born in sin, even though he was born into a sinful world. What's interesting, too, is that with his death, we read Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and, then, and she gave birth to her firstborn. Mary gave birth 
birth to her, to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddle, swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now what's interesting with swaddling cloth is that swaddling cloth was something that every person would carry with them whenever they traveled long distance. And the reason they would bring swaddling cloth with them when they traveled was because the journey was not a ride in your Tesla with AC and a self-driving donkey. People died as they were getting from A to B. And there's a law that you cannot touch a dead person or they will defile you. So they, what they would do is they would have this swaddling cloth and if someone would die on the journey, they would wrap him in this cloth and then, you know, wait until they're able to bury them. So when we see the gift of Jesus to humanity, the gift of Jesus is a beautiful gift. But what we find in this genealogy that the gift although it's fantastic, is wrapped up in a very questionable ways. It's wrapped up in a way that, uh, that causes us to pause for a second. Like for example, the gift of patience. The gift of patience will be wrapped up in waiting. Or the gift of love will be wrapped up in your enemy what about the gift of forgiveness wrapped up in sacrifice we love the gift but sometimes how it's wrapped we're not too crazy about what about the gift of empathy it's wrapped up in what in some hard life experiences you go through some stuff to get the gift of empathy what about the gift of resilience? It's wrapped up in what? Rejection. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gifts. What about the gift of faith? God give us faith. Faith is wrapped up in trials and testings. Who says amen to that? Nobody. <laughs> You're saying amen to the nobody and I get it. <laughs> Right? No, but, but we want the gift. Mary, Jesus comes through this genealogy that's a mess. Talk about a jacked up family tree. But even Mary, she's, she's carrying Jesus, the gift to the world. But she has to be in the state of pregnancy for nine months out of wedlock. That's not the package that you'd want to walk in for nine months. The gift is good, but the wrapping sometimes triggers us to hesitate in receiving the gift. And so Matthew begins to unpack this, you can say, wrapping of the gift of Jesus through the genealogy. Because Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. He was like a pastor who worked for the IRS. 
He was good at what he was doing. He was able to make great connections, keep a great account. He was very thorough. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to keep his job. He kept records very, very detailed. So he went back and began to connect Jesus to the Messiah prophecies. And sometimes we want to isolate ourselves from everyone else. And people get married and whenever they sit with me and we talk about marriage, I tell them all the time that you never marry just the person that you're marrying. Have you talked with their parents? Have you seen their family? <laughs> Some of you are like, no one told me that before I got married. Yeah. Marriage is never simply two people and that's it. But we have made it in, this, in our culture that it doesn't matter. I just love you and you and no, nothing else matters. Not at the serious second. But, but marriage, it gives, it, it, it's always attached to a family tree. Because their family gives you context. And if you are getting married and you're like, hey, there's nothing shady about my beloved and their family. Um, there's a lot of hiding going on. There's a lot of filtering going on because we love to show off the charming, but we hide the crazy. We hide the crazy. And social media, what does it do? That's, that's what we do. We highlight the best moments, capture them, but only God knows those minutes before and after the picture. Only God knows the craziness before the smile that's captured. And genealogies, people would actually take their genealogies and edit them to exclude those questionable relatives. And so when you're trying to build a resume for the Messiah, that would be a wise thing to do. Only mention the good folks and not mention the crazy ones. The ones that should not be associated with the Messiah. But Matthew and Mark, they don't play that game. And the whole Bible, what's beautiful about it is that it actually gives an accurate and honest account of all that has happened. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It tells it how it is. And so Matthew 1, it's just a bunch of names. What's the big deal? So easy for us to skip. But I think that when we look at the names, when we read the names, we see a scene. Because all we see is the names of certain people. Some familiar, most unfamiliar. Some that we can pronounce and read. Most that we just... That. <laughs> but these names are not faceless. These names are stories. These names carry the family tree of Jesus. And it ain't pretty. See, the world is jacked up and needs saving. And God was looking for a perfect family. He couldn't find one. So he used what he had. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And so I just want to highlight a few from this family tree because sometimes we, we tend to elevate the, the, the God that Jesus is and who Jesus represents and diminish 
diminish the humanity of what he came into. So let's start with Abraham, right? And there, and there are great things about all these people, but I just want to highlight some of the craziness of Jesus' tree. Abraham, he was, well, old. Rusty knows that. Sucker. But he also lied about his wife being his sister because he wanted to save his life. He's like, hey, you're hot. I'm old. They may kill me so they can have you. So just tell them that you're my sister so that way I can live. But if they take you, but I'm going to live. And that's what happened. And, but then God stepped in, right? And it's really a little bit even more twisted because in Genesis 20, 12, it says, after being found out, Abraham explained to King Abimelech that Sarah was the daughter of his father but not his mother. So did he really lie? Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver who tricked his older brother out of his inheritance for a bowl of stew. Probably donuts. Who knows? And then we have a few women who are listed in the genealogy, which is also a shock to list women in your genealogy because everyone was known by your father's name. And Jesus comes up and, and, and just wrecks everything up. And so he lists Tamar or Tamar. And Tamar, her story is that she tricked her father-in-law in sleeping with her. And then we have Rahab, another woman in a genealogy. And Rahab was a prostitute. She just didn't look like one. She was one. She was also not a Jew. Remember the story of Jericho? I spoke on this a few weeks back. Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite woman. She was also a foreigner and an outsider. And what's crazy about her lineage her Moabite lineage is that it is said that they are the descendants from Moab the son of Lot and his oldest daughter that's incest we'll do one more David we all know good old David an adulterer, a thief, a murderer. In spite this mass, in spite the messiness of these people, God still used them. What's your excuse? You thought your life was messed up. You thought that there was too much shame. Why would God use you? Are you reading the genealogy of Jesus? The one that God said, yes, Ruth, yes, um, uh, Tamar, yes, David, yes, Abraham, yes, Isaac. Through you, through you, I'm going to send Jesus through your messed up lineage. How bad is your disgrace? How bad is your shame? Sure, maybe some of it is not your fault, but there's probably plenty 
of the decision that you have made that puts you in this place of, oh, God will never use me. It's enough to drown you in your misery, in your guilt, in your condemnation. And so we tend to sit on the sidelines and say, God, why would God use me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know my family? Ugh. This list that I read puts your list to shame. I love this because we continue reading after this genealogy. And I'm telling you, this wouldn't have been received so well because this is showing all the dirty laundry you're trying to build this guy up why are you telling him all the bad stuff why are you connecting there was you know Bathsheba was also mentioned in there connecting it connecting her to David the former wife of Uriah which then puts David back in the spotlight of oh you guys know what David did you guys want to be known by all the things that you've done that were like whoa please no, we don't want to be known by those things, but we cannot dismiss those things either. We cannot pretend that they didn't happen. If you think God was looking for perfection, he would have found perfection so that Jesus could be born through the per perfect family. And if you don't think your family is messed up and you don't have any weird people in your family, this goes without saying that you are probably it. And if that's the case, there is still hope for you. The good news of Christmas. Matthew then writes in, in verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And watch this. For he will save his people from their sin. Satan is trying to trick you and me to hide with our shame, to hide with our condemnation, to hide with our guilt, and always sit on the sidelines applauding everyone else. And God is saying, no, give me your shame. Let your shame be the platform for God through you. And if God did it before, he can do it again if he did it through them he can do it through you if he used them he sure and most definitely can use you without a doubt he can use you You thought family, you thought your family was jacked up. And it's so refreshing to know that Jesus' family was also messed up. Far beyond yours and mine's. And I want this reality of the genealogy that Matthew writes and the genealogy, the full genealogy of, of, of what Luke writes as well. I want us to reflect 
on the grace and the goodness of God that we read through scripture and know that his grace and his goodness extends to you and me. If God used them, God can use you. And let's be honest, if God can use you, he can use anyone. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have the band come up. Because I think, I think God wants us to do away with our excuses for why we are not being used from, by God. Some of our excuses are that I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too thick, I'm too poor, I'm too rich, I'm too broke, I'm too old, I'm too young, my family's broken, I have too much baggage. And if you continue to focus on all of your excuses for why God cannot use you, you will never take responsibility and say, God, here I am. Use me. That's all he needs from you. He needs your yes. He needs you to say, God, I realize the depth of my jacked up life. He needs you to say, God, I've been hiding this. I've been keeping this in a closet. I've been trying to paint a picture for everyone to approve of me, to value me. But I think I'm ready to lay it down. God hasn't stopped using messed up and broken people and he's not about to stop with you and so as we end this year we have a few more weeks and next week will be our final message on Christmas and we'll get into the traditional Christmas story but I have a feeling that if you've you know heard this story and last week's message our approach to the Christmas scene is going to be a little bit different this year because we have some context. Perfection can only be found in Jesus. And many of us are trying to clean up our lives so that we can approach Jesus. And Jesus is saying, please, you will never do it. You will never do it. Let me in and I will clean it up with you. So this is the story of a God who wants to and who has redeemed his people by stepping into our brokenness and not avoiding it. By becoming sin without sinning. By showing up and taking our hand instead of pointing us in the direction. Reconciling our hearts with his father so that his God and his father can become our God and our father and this is it's a it's a scene 
But you have to understand that the birth of Jesus is not where it all started. The birth of Jesus started in the heart of God way before creation. Just like you were in the heart of God way before you were born. God, knowing your actions, knowing my actions, knowing our intentions, and still saying, I'm ready. When are you ready? 